Hey, beer nerds. Welcome to the podcast. Who has time for intro music when we can just get straight to the interview? Uh, this is the first interview I've done in a few months now. Um, definitely the first one since COVID really came on strong and, and hit the U.S. hard. Um, you know, breweries are starting to open up again and, and people are starting to hit up bars again. But, uh, you know, I, who knows what's going to happen in, in the near future. And if we see additional spikes that will warrant a second shutdown, um, who knows? Anyway, um, speaking with Marcus from Weathered Souls in San Antonio tonight about the Black is Beautiful beer project and um, how he hopes those efforts will help breweries connect with their local communities in, in different ways than maybe they have before. Let's do it. Happy to be joined now by Marcus Baskerville of Weathered Souls Brewing Company out of San Antonio. Uh, you all were founded in 2016. Uh, Marcus, thanks for taking some time tonight. Yeah, no problem. Thank you for having me. So I obviously uh, want to talk about the, the Black is Beautiful project um, that you all have come up with. But, but before we get to that, uh, I'd like to learn a little bit more about uh, about you specifically and then kind of the brewery itself is just as a background. So how did you get into brewing to begin with? Um, so the typical uh, way most people do started off home brewing. Um, I'm originally from Sacramento, California, so started home brewing there out of competition with my brother. He was like one of those people that got one of those Mr. Beer kits uh, for Christmas and came out terrible. So then it was like, well, I could brew a better beer than you. Um, and so yeah, went ahead and uh, basically moved to san antonio started brewing from there and will continue in brewing uh worked my way up to creating some decent beer and started bringing it to establishments a little breweries um i ended up getting a, a, a part-time job uh while working my full-time job um at a another local brewery um kind of learned the ins and outs kind of what more so not to do than what to do um, and then ended up meeting my business partner uh, while working there, and basically we ended up signing to open a place. Yeah, to tell tell me about your business partner. Uh, so Mike, uh, Mike um, is San Antonio local. Um, you know, um, he's the uh, majority partner of the brewery. Um, you know, kind of has some of the more decisions over like the tap room stuff like that. Um, I run the the um, beer side of it. And we kind of have, you know, uh, we were actually friends before opening the business, mm -hmm. uh, associates friends before opening the business. So Mike's been more of a uh, older gentleman, so been more of like the mentor, uncle figure for me as far as learning how to navigate in the world of business. And, and the name itself, what Weathered Souls, where did that come from? Uh, Weather Souls is basically a ode to Mike's uh, grandfather and father. Okay. Um, so it's been a few weeks now, I guess, um, since you recently announced the, the Black is Beautiful project. It's it's an open source brewing project uh, in a similar vein to like the Sierra Nevada's Resilience IPA and other halves all together beer during, during COVID when that first hit. Um, so tell me a little bit about that project and how that first came about. Because yeah, I think so, as, of, as of right now, I will say that what we're close to 900 breweries participating. So we're actually over 900, right, 950 breweries. Uh, so the initiative Monday will be a month. 
Um, so basically, the initiative was a call to all of the breweries. It turned into worldwide at this point. I think we're in 18 different countries. Um, and it's a call for breweries to participate in a collaboration of a stout recipe that we created. Um, basically, they'd brew the stout and then donate 100% proceeds of the stout to uh, local organizations that support uh, police brutality reform and and uh, legal fees. And then um, basically through the initiative, um, it's also, you know, a call to breweries um, to be in the long haul of equality and inclusion and start making some differences uh, for those who already haven't, because there's a lot that already do. Uh, but for those who haven't, uh, make some changes within their breweries and start making some changes within their communities uh, to support equality and inclusion for people of color and black people specifically. What was that conversation like internally at Weathered Souls uh, when this idea was first concocted? Uh, in all honesty, it really wasn't a conversation. Um, Mike, uh, he has black children. So, uh, you know, his son and daughter has been, um, through a lot of the same similar things as a black man that I've been through. Um, so he's very understanding of the situation and what's going on. Um, so in all honesty, it really wasn't a conversation about the initiative, um, I kind of got up uh, Monday, went in, wrote the initiative, uh, laid it out in front of my staff and said, this is what we're going to do. Did you have, I mean, when a lot of these projects come about, I mean, you think that you're going to get some participation, but like you just said, you're about to hit, you know, probably a thousand here in the next week or so, probably. Is that, was that number like expected? Did you, did you feel that this was going to be a, a, a movement among the beer community early on? No. Uh, so originally, you know, I planned on 150, maybe 200 breweries total that would participate in this collaboration. And like I said, you know, we're at 950. So the response has been absolutely amazing. And and what is that? Actually, let, let's get into this. What is what is the beer itself? I'm sorry, say that again. What What is the beer itself? The beer is an uh, imperial stout. So uh, very simple a uh, straightforward recipe of an imperial stout, uh, 10.5%, 10.8%, I think, is where the recipe lies at. But very simple, straight to the point, uh, dark malts and chocolate malts to give off that, that dark chocolate fudge characteristic, a decent amount of uh, black malts to give some of that roasted character to it. And then basically we left it open to every brewery to get as creative with this recipe as they want. So did, did you get creative yourself with it or was your beer like the base beer? Then you told everybody else, just like, all right, now add on to this. Um, or so maybe you're doing some done, or something. Yeah. So for our brewery, we did three variations of it. Uh, we did a version that is um, a version that has Rwandan coffee and hazelnut. Uh, we did a collaboration with Isla Street Brewing, another local Hispanic brewery. Uh, with them, we did chocolate sugar cookies, pecans, and caramel. And then uh, then we did the base version. And, and the name itself has some historical significance, doesn't it? Well, Black is Beautiful is more in lines with exactly what it means. Um, you know, it's 
trying to raise awareness to the fact that, you know, everybody deserves common respect. Everybody deserves equality within community. Everybody deserves inclusion. I mean, you look at different situations and even for myself, like I've been in situations, people, you know, being a six, five black man, that's 230 pounds. I can walk into a location and, and get faces. And, you know, a lot of you look at these people like, okay, well, I'm a business owner and family man, you know, like I've never been in trouble, different little things like that. So, um, you know, it's kind of in line with exactly what it means is the color, the hue, you know, everything about black is beautiful. And it's time that people kind of start recognizing that. So I, I look around my own state here in Kentucky. And, um, you know, not, not only are the breweries predominantly white owned, but the, the craft beer culture is white. And, and that's kind of the case all around the country. Um, I think I read a stat from the Brewers Association that said something that like, you know, 89%, 90% of craft uh, brewery owners are, are white. I would say it's probably more than that. So you look at there's what, 8,000 breweries, over 8,000 breweries in the United States at this point. And there is, I think, 60 breweries that have black-owned, minority-owned owners. Um, so you look at that statistic, I mean, it's definitely uh, the Caucasian male um, type of atmosphere within craft brewing. But I can say that even then, based on who's in craft brewing and you're looking at all of these people that are participating in this initiative, I mean, there's no other industry where you have 900 plus different businesses and we're and if you start including vendors and other people that reached out to us we're well over a thousand and you know we can just glump that in the beer industry and there's no under industry in the world that is participating at this level uh for equality and and initiative and an initiative this bold that supports inclusion you mentioned vendors and when you say that do you mean like multipliers uh vendors as far as um yeah, merchandisers, uh, grain suppliers, hop suppliers, yeast suppliers. Um, you know, we've had people, uh, Midwest Barrel Company, reach out wanting to supply barrels. We've had uh, American Canning wanted to give discounts on packaging. Um, we've had, you know, Creative Mango wanting to give discounts on labels. Uh, we've had other entities as far as um, people that do uh, artists, um, other vendors for labels. It's been crazy the amount of people. We've had Jaeger reached out to us mm-hmm. wanting to get involved. Um, I had a call with Uncle Nearest, the whiskey oh, company last year. Yeah, so, I mean, it's it's been crazy as far as, you know, the overall response and, and who's trying to get involved. That, that's fantastic. Um, I guess going back to, to that discussion around, you know, uh, the – predominantly white beer culture that that it is is there a barrier uh, of entry in some in some way uh in craft beer to people of color i'm sorry say that one more time is is there a is there a barrier of entry um in craft beer to people of color um i guess it depends where you're located where you're from um for me no, I didn't have any barriers getting into the craft beer industry. I didn't have any barriers as far as uh, anybody trying to discount what I was doing because of the color of my skin. Mm-hmm. Um, 
but I can I know for a fact that there are stories where people have had those issues trying to get in the industry or, you know, people giving them the side eye when they go into breweries and different things like that. So, I mean, I can only speak from my own experiences. Um, and for me, the craft beer community has been very uh, welcoming, um, has been very inclusive. The only racist, uh, well, the only racist events I've ever had have been consumers and people coming to the brewery. It's never been anybody, at least that I've heard physically from anybody in the actual industry itself that has uh, tried to prevent anything. So, I mean, you know, you look at, for instance, uh, being a black owner and being the head brewer there. I mean, when we were opening, I had a basically a assistant brewer production uh individual you know white boy with a long beard and people would just come in and assume that he's the head brewer or that you know he's in charge or whatever the case may be i've opened the door for people trying to sell stuff at the brewery and it's like well is there an owner or somebody in charge available uh why would you assume that i'm not an owner or somebody in charge but just based off of that assumption now i don't want your business so you know different (laughs) different little things like that that have happened within the brewery um but as far as the actual physical industry itself no i've never had an issue well and 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 i imagine it's hard to if that's the case if somebody doesn't feel comfortable in in a taproom atmosphere uh because of um other patrons in that tap room i I imagine it's hard to look at that industry as something that you want to work in correct um yeah i mean you know you look at different instances for those individuals that might have had issues Mm -hmm. and yes they get very deterred from wanting to enter the industry And, and, and then you also look at the fact that generally the craft beer industry is not marketed to black people or people of color either. So let's, let's uh, talk about that. Um, because that, that interests me as, as somebody in my day job that does that a lot. Um, as far you know, marketing, social media, um, and, and the like, what, what are we getting wrong in, in, in marketing? How, how are we, what, what are we missing? Um, so It's a long stream of things, right? So you look at the craft beer industry and you look at the appropriation of using, um, you know, uh, rap songs, uh, different black caricatures and different little things like that, which is fine and dandy. But we know that generally these beers aren't actually being marketed to people of color. So then for us and other minorities and black people, the way that we see this is appropriation, because you look at, you know, you can go look at uh, somebody's online, say, just Instagram of a brewery and you start running through their photos and you don't see any people of color. But then you might see, you know, 15 different beers where they didn't use biggie lyrics. (laughs) So then it's like, well, what what is the purpose of this because this isn't being geared towards people of color or minorities or anything like that and then it's going to deter them from later on wanting to support these brands because now they feel that it's appropriation and, um, and that might actually be true from like the, the the smallest brewery on on the corner of the neighborhood to you know a brewery that distributes to half of the u.s exactly um so i think where the 
where it would probably be more appropriate uh, dealing with these type of situations is maybe hosting events locally that support the black communities, uh, that support black organizations. You come out with a beer with black caricatures, you know, uh, try to market out to some of these um, black and minority people of color organizations. You come out with the beer that's inspired by Mexican ingredients, reach out to your, your Hispanic community, different little things there's definitely different ways of trying to get at people to uh get them to support and generally a lot of breweries aren't doing that to go ahead and support their minority communities and so that's why dealing with the whole black is beautiful thing um i wanted it to be local support so these breweries are donating locally to their foundations organizations and communities because now you're opening those dialogues and conversations locally and being able to integrate different things within your brewery that basically make you a leader for change and and to be quite honest you're also forcing um essentially white ownership majority white ownership to look at their own community and think, okay, what organizations do, did I not know that already exists? Like who, who have I been leaving out when I've been hosting these pint nights and, and random charity events? Who do I need to bring in now? Exactly. Um, so I guess, I mean, this, it it sounds like black is beautiful. This collab project is is a really good first step in making communities, you know, become a little bit more self-aware, I guess. Uh, it sounds like, um, breweries can be better about marketing appropriately. Um, is, is there any other steps along the way? I mean, I know, I know we're not going to just solve, you know, systemic racism overnight in a a three-step process, but. I don't know if you were czar of craft beer of, of the Brewers Association, like what would you do tomorrow? Somebody who's really good at that actually is Dr. J, totally. you know, one of the ambassadors for the diversity committee. She basically has programs that you can implement that where she helps you implement um, positions of authority, uh, you know, implementing training within your brewery, um, going ahead and say, making a plan to hire minority, more minorities, people of color. So, you know, implementing a goal, okay, this year we're going to hire 20% more minorities into our breweries in different positions, doing different things like that. And that's all what's going to end up changing the industry and, uh, you know, changing the local communities as far as what people want to support and who's coming around, uh, and tap rooms and, and even purchasing your beers within other locations. Were there any breweries that you heard from uh, in the last few weeks that just like really excited you that they were like becoming part of this? Uh, there's been quite a bit, especially at 950 oh, breweries. Yeah. Uh, it's actually like been all my favorites. So you look at, you know, the Russian rivers and Sante Darius, uh, perennial side project, uh i mean i'm looking forward to like fin bags uh really looking forward to foragers like i was part of their discussion uh l smith just did the mega collab where they had 20 almost 20 breweries involved looking forward to that um it's quite a bit of them sure. in all honesty and, and i think it's worth yeah. saying that i think it was jester king that was first yeah so uh jester king was actually um the very first person to sign on um me and just basically been a, a big mentor for me over the years and so i was actually having a conversation with him at the time uh dealing with uh like social injustice and different things like that and i had sent him the label 
um, I had basically sent him the label uh, when I had decided that I was going to do something. And so uh, from there, um, he kind of challenged me to actually turn it into the initiative that it's into now. And so uh, once we actually posted about it, Jeff hit me up asking if they could be the first people to sign up. So Jester King was number one and uh, Eastless Street in Oahu, Hawaii was number two. Oh, wow. (laughs) Okay. Um, going back to Weathered Souls, what, what's, uh, I, I don't know much about your brewery admittedly, uh, um, but what's your all's distribution like? Um, so pre pandemic, uh, we were basically distributing in about a hundred locations within San Antonio. Uh, we're distributing a little bit to Austin, um, Corpus Christi, Dallas, Houston, um, Basically, our West Coast IPA was our largest producer for actual, like, um, distro. Um, it was outselling all IPAs in San Antonio, three to one. Um, as far as what our normal stuff that people get excited for is obviously more stouts. So that's more so what we're known for. Um, but we also do the whole hazy and... Um, sours and different things like that but as far as our beer it's pretty much across the board cool um other than black is beautiful do you do you have anything else coming up that you'd like people to know about uh so we actually have a few things coming up soon um so also we're dealing with black is beautiful we'll have the three variations of that uh we'll have irma jean coming out soon which is our uh, yellow watermelon goza and then we'll also be having Six Feet of Separation Batch 2 coming out, which is a hazy IPA we did with a Baba Brew House up in Houston. Very cool. Marcus, I don't want to take up too much more of your time. I uh, I appreciate you uh, coming on tonight and you know helping, uh, no me, problem, helping me understand a little bit and uh, also just kind of educating me on, on Weathered Souls and, and the, the, the collab project. Do you ever make it, uh, do you ever make it to Kentucky? Um, so I drove through Kentucky. We uh, went up to Pittsburgh for um, a beer festival last year for Fresh Fest. Um, but I actually do want to come back because I'm a huge bourbon fan. So I want to take that Kentucky trail, do that it. bourbon trail. For do, me. do it, man. Absolutely. If you're ever in Louisville, hit me up. Yeah, definitely. All right, Marcus. Thank you. Thank you. Take care. All right. Cheers.